extraordinary being movement where we inspire you to take action, influence you for change, and motivate you for success. I'm your host and coach, Len DeCarmine, here with the Extraordinary Being Movement, and I am excited for our guest today. We are going to be talking about the power of habits, both good and bad, and how you can achieve more in your life. But before I do that, let me introduce to you my two favorite co-hosts, the one and only Fred Martinez. Fred, how you doing, buddy? What's up, everybody? I'm glad to see you here with us today. So I'm, I know we're going to have an awesome day. Christopher Shiver, what's going on? Hi everyone, Christopher Shiver here. And today I'm really interested to hear about somebody's amazing transformational story about how she found her inner purpose, which is something I think that everybody needs to learn more than ever this year. I totally agree with you, Chris. So that's why I'm excited as well that we have her on our show. This is gonna be an explosive interview. So let's not waste any more time. Let's introduce the one and only Donna Kingsleton. She grew up in a super conservative family where she was taught to tiptoe around life just to play it safe. But her life purpose was best described as unanswered. And I bet you're feeling that way too. Her biggest struggles growing up were being bullied, a negative body image, bad habits, both mental and physically. She got to the point where she was tired of living life for others and decided to start living life for herself. She said, enough is enough. So she decided that she needed to make a choice and that choice was change. Now she is transforming lives from the inside out, creating better habits for lasting change. Donna, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me here. We are excited to have you here. Now, I want to open up with an icebreaker. I love this one. And I actually have to say I got it from you. But you sent me a list of some great questions. But this one resonated with me because of what I love so much. Because I'm a big superhero fan. What is your superpower? Oh, my gosh. Right into it, huh? Right into There's no playing games. It's just all about taking action. My superpower. Gosh, do I have to pick one? Sure. <laughs> or I mean, if you want to pick two, or however you, how many you like. I would say my my top two um, personal superpower would be my ability to get back up after facing, you know, just being pushed down, beat down and uh, how my motivation rises after that, strangely enough. And I think the uh, second superpower, which is more for the world, is my ability to connect with, with other humans, just uh, anybody and everybody. No, I absolutely love that. And that's the thing that a lot of people don't know how to do, and that's how to connect, how to really have those conversations where they can understand really what's going on over there with that person. And I think that's something a lot of us lack. And that's a skill that you really have to learn how to build up and building that up through great habits gets you there to help have those better conversations. Absolutely. But before we get into the to our topic today, we need to know a little bit more about you. What, what's your journey? How did you get to where we are now? Well, unpacking the bag, <laughs> I would say, gosh, where do I even start? I grew up in a town in Michigan mm -hmm. that is the largest community of Middle Eastern, the Middle Eastern population, basically outside of the Middle East. Mm. And so, you know, our signs, you know, back in the, the town is called Dearborn, Michigan. And, you know, the signs are in Arabic and, and all that stuff. And so, you know, that, you know, grandmas and grandpas don't speak English and, mm -hmm. and things like that. So it's got a little, a little taste of home uh, to it, but I always knew that I, I didn't belong there. Um, and the reason being was just because of the, uh, the competition that, that exists within the community, unfortunately. And uh, although I'm so proud of where I come from, you know, there are all, you know, different problems in, in different cultures and communities. 
and one that my culture hasn't yet quite figured out is how to work together and how to succeed together. But I, I, I hope one day we'll get there. Um, so my goal was always to honestly leave the place that I grew up and um, figure it out on my own and, and unlearn all of the things that I had just didn't resonate with, but was taught because it was the thing to do, you know, it was the right thing to, to, to follow. Everyone was doing it. Um, that's just the way things were. Mm -hmm. So my parents um, were actually Muslim. So I grew up Muslim at home. And as I got older, I had developed my own, you know, beliefs and understandings of what I, what I call life now, right? We all do. And I realized when I had my son at 19, that there was a lot of life that I didn't quite understand and was not prepared for by any means. <laughs> sure. And so it, it's, you know, I, I've had to learn, I think the hard way, but I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have changed it. Um, some would say that I grew up very quickly, you know, learned a lot of le lessons from life that, uh, I mean, to put it lightly, knocked me on my ass. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I get it. I realized that what got me to the behavior coaching and the point that I'm at, I believe right now, is getting sick of being the reason of not succeeding, standing in my own way, and finally facing myself and, and recognizing that I had a lot of unhealthy belief you know, the belief system that I had developed from a very young age was all messed up, mm -hmm. you know, and there are some good parts yeah. to it that I've kept, but it's like a weaving of how do I unlearn the bad stuff so that I can create a more successful future from not only myself, but now for my child that I have to. And um, that's when really the work uh, had started. I think the work started way before that, but that's when another chapter, I guess this chapter uh, had started. No, no, that's, that's great that you became self-aware and saw that there has to be a change somewhere that, that you have belief systems that don't really align with who you are now and that you're more aware of it and trying to figure out, okay, does this still work in, my, in the world I'm in right now? Was this the right thing to believe? Because we're, belief systems are passed down from generation to generation and based upon our parents' experience. And I don't believe a lot of them were that self-aware in the things that they were doing. They were doing what they were taught, where nowadays we're becoming more self-aware, saying, you know, what I learned from my father doesn't really apply to the way I want to raise my children or apply to my life. It might have worked during that time frame for him, and that's all he knew. But for me, it doesn't work. So I need to come up with my new way of being, my new way of thinking. And I love the fact that, you know, you're taking that on in your life to be able to do that and become self-aware and, you know, offering your ability and your gifts through coaching to help others do that too. There she is. We we lose her for a second. <laughs> I'm glad you're back. See, this is this is about this is the thing about doing these shows. They're fantastic because things just happen, and we just roll with it. But I I actually have a question for you. So I I kind of understand what you're coming because like I was raised on some very old. Well, I mean, for me personally, I was raised on some very old African values from my old country. Some of them were Indian and, uh, uh, and you know, like, 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 for example, one thing that I definitely did not like for my culture was that it, you're through the firstborn male, like you're like, you're like so well taken care of, like everybody just lets you get away with everything. And I was the firstborn male and it was like, I was given this like extra privilege just because I was first and I had a serious issue with it. I did not like it. I did not like the pressure that was being put, like, like the privilege and the, and the expectations that was put on me. And not just that, I didn't like the fact that I was afforded more ability to get by with things while my sisters were not. And 
it was very easy for me to think bad of my family when I was younger for that. And it was in itself a journey for myself to learn that, you know, nothing, they're not bad. They're, they're, it's neither good or bad. It's just, it is what it is. And that's what they had at the time to go off. How did you go about doing that? Because I felt like I got a little resentment. Did you? Yeah, it's interesting you say that. And Len mentioned something that kind of made my gears turn too when you said that, you know, we grow and we realize that there are some things that maybe aren't right as we grow into our adulthood. But the interesting thing is that ever since I was a child, I knew that like this thought just keeps coming back of there's got to be more out there than this. Mm -hmm. There's got to be more out there than this. And, you know, I remember, and this is a, this is a, it's a, it's a hard thing to, I think, say out loud, but I remember any time I would bring home a friend of, you know, a different color, you know, a white friend or, you know, someone other than a Middle Eastern friend, my, my mom did not necessarily favor them or, or think that they had good intentions. Mm -hmm. And as a child, that's, well, okay, but why? They're just another person, you know? So I always made it a point to, even, even though I was taught different things and maybe not the right things at times, I always, I always said, you know, I'm going to be a good person regardless. And I think that's what helped me get through it. There definitely was a lot of resentment, especially when I got to that point, like, I'm 27 now, but when I was maybe 22, you know, at the start of it, when you're like, whoa, this is a lot. <laughs> but you, you forgive people because you know that they're doing the best that they know. And that at the end of the day, they love you, even mm -hmm. though sometimes, you know, we all love differently, I guess. No, no, I, I, I agree with you. Everybody is, does a lot of things with a positive intent, but it just, it also depends on how it comes across and how it's interpreted by the other person. And, you know, I might be doing something positive, but really it might hurt you in, in a way that I wasn't expecting, even though it was, I'm trying to be, help you out in some way. And <clears throat> And that just, you know, and, you know, belief systems go along that way. You know, the belief system that I had was to help you, but unfortunately it didn't, does, doesn't serve the way it needs to be anymore. Right. So no, I, I, I appreciate what you're saying there. Oh, I wanted to kind of switch gears a little bit and talk about, you know, this power of creating habits and I know our belief system stops us from creating good habits and making us get to where we want to be in life can you share a little bit more about your experience with that and how you work work people through that yeah so my experience was again realizing that I had a lot of just destructive beliefs about mm. myself and realizing that if I wasn't going to help myself, you know, no one was going to come to save me. So um, I was introduced to a friend of mine, an acquaintance of mine had mentioned that she did a behavior coaching program. Mm. And so I was just very intrigued by it, you know, um, what got me into it, I think to backtrack a little bit before I get into the program sure. is the fact that I noticed these unhealthy habits within myself and I wanted to change them and I had every intention of changing them and I envisioned the change but it never happened and over and over again you know this cycle of no results would repeat itself you not you're nodding your head I see because you know what I'm talking about <laughs> oh yeah I, we're all been there I didn't know how to put into action what I actually wanted to achieve and thus um, CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy and behavior change was introduced to me. And Chris, you're nodding your head now too. It's, it's a game changer of, of really, okay. So CBT is a 
psychotherapy, so speech therapy, that basically allows a person to reflect on their thought process and how their thoughts affect their experiences mm. and how their experiences affect their emotions, et cetera, and how all of these things are intertwined. Mm -hmm. And so if, if we are able to learn effective ways to change how we view our experiences, our experience can be so much more enjoyable and valuable. Yeah. So that's what I work with, with people is just, you know, shifting their mindsets. Like you're not broken. We just need to shift some things so that you can see life, your life a little bit differently or a lot of bit differently. <laughs> I, I love that because I, I it's, well, it's less evasive because so many people think you have to go to therapy and you need to talk about it and whatnot. And, and re in reality is it's like, actually, no, you just need to take some time to yourself, get present with a coach, which is very helpful, and, and just kind of delve into yourself and just why. Yeah, a lot of my sessions mostly consist, honestly, of just deep, reflective, you know, questioning and people come up with their own answers. You know, I say right out of the bat with anyone before they even, you know, sign up with me. I mean, we're still on the first phone call getting to know each other and going over that. And I say, I don't have all the answers, but together, I think that we can find them for you. The ones that make the most sense for you, at least. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I like that because I believe that we all have the answers to a lot of our challenges. We just can't see that we have that blind spot there. And you as a coach, having knowing to ask the right questions really helps bring that to the surface where people can really explore what's really going on inside them and around them so that they can help understand themselves better and then also make better decisions moving forward. Yeah, definitely. And when we can understand ourselves, we can heal ourselves and heal our minds from the inside out. No, I, I totally, I totally agree with you. I love this. You know, I love, I like, I speak about this stuff all day long, really getting into it. Could, could you share a couple tips or strategies that you work a client through? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of my favorite techniques that I will use, let's say for someone who has a recurring unhelpful thought that they, you know, are going through and keeping up for them in different situations called um, thought policing. And thought policing is basically where you recognize the unhelpful thought mm -hmm. and you ask yourself questions to, you know, assess this thought that you're having. So like, looking at it almost from a bird's eye view. And so you ask yourself, is there substantial evidence for your thought? And is there evidence contrary to your thought? And the next question would be, are you trying to interpret the situation without all of the evidence? Um, another question would be, what would a friend think about the situation? Mm. Because a lot of times people will, you know, care more for other people than they care for themselves. So a, ru a running joke is like, if I have a friend who, you know, will talk badly, badmouth themselves, I will look them in the eye and say, do not talk about my friend like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, some other questions too for thought policing would be, if you look at the situation positively, how is it different for you? So if, if you can find a way, even an inkling of looking at the situation positively, you know, what changes? And um, last but not least, you know, will it matter a year from now, five years from now, things like that? So thought policing is one of, one of my favorite simple ways to, you know, if you're having a, an insecurity or something that keeps popping up, like I don't deserve to go shopping, because I haven't lost the weight I told myself I was going to lose, you know, like things like that. You can dissect, you know, different, and that's more obviously geared towards women, but um, all sorts of thoughts. 
No, that's absolutely great. And the last question is my favorite one because I use it all the time. You know, is it really going to matter in a year from now that this isn't done or, you know, you're, the way you're feeling right now, is it, is this going to matter in a few days? You know, just, it is what it is. So just take ownership of it, deal with it, and then move on. Because holding on to those, that emotion or being overly emotional or angry about something and then taking it out on people when maybe they don't deserve it, you know, that might stay with them forever, but in a year from now, you're going to forget. So you really have to ask yourself, does it really matter? Does it, is it really going to end your world by not having certain things in place? And for, especially for you to, you know, get very upset about it. So that's, that's a powerful question that you have there. And everybody should be asking themselves that before they, you know, say that next comment to somebody, is this really going to matter? You know, say it in their mind, is this really going to matter a year from now? You know, yeah. what am I really trying to achieve? I think the true power, like you said, is in knowing that you could lose your temper, but choosing not to. Mm -hmm. And I'm currently listening to uh, the subtle art of giving a fuck. And yeah. he is, he's really opening up my mind. Mark Manson is really opening up my mind and choosing what to invest myself in as yeah. far as like my emotions and my thoughts and what I really care about. And it's very, um, freeing and relieving like a weight off of your shoulders mm -hmm. when you can just say i don't care enough about this to let it control me this much yeah yeah i totally agree and that's where people get lost people don't realize they have a choice for everything you have a choice to feel whatever you want to feel if you want to get angry that's your choice to be angry you don't have to be angry you know there's other ways to deal, deal and cope with things. Go ahead, Chris. I find this super interesting because it relates a lot to leadership and like mm -hmm. being, because be, if you're going to be a coach, you're in a, you're in a leadership role. And what, what it comes to mind to me was this, this, this exercise I did in military school and I was giving control over this project and it wasn't like a real project. They were just watching to see how we would behave under pressure. And they put me in charge. And of course I failed the whole thing. The whole thing just fell apart. It was a complete disaster. And, and they, they called me up and they asked me, all right, Chris, what went wrong? And I had all these things in my head, this, that, this, that, this, and this, and that, and that. And then they were like, yeah, no, that, that had nothing to do with you. First thing, all of what you said, those were responsibilities for everybody below you. That was their job. That had nothing to do with you. Your job was to keep your calm and lead your team, but instead you micromanaged everything, you couldn't let go, and you got emotional, and it just spread into everybody's energy, and you could not even see it. And that, that is what happens when we don't have those internal dialogues with ourselves, when we don't ask ourselves, what does a friend think, right? It, 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 it could end, it could lead to a situation where just negativity abound, and then you look around, it's like, what happened? Here, here's one thing that a, uh, this was taught to me by a person that I know who is a, in the special forces. You, anytime a situation occurs, you, um, you take a pause, you breathe, you think, and then you go ahead and act. The problem there is people right away go directly into action. And because of that, it causes them to get into bad situations. But when you take the pause and then you breathe, it calms you down, then you can take your action. Love that. I also really love to use, for any of my clients who have a hard time with their like prioritization or time management skills, things like that, there's a great tool that I refer them to called the Eisenhower matrix. Mm -hmm. Have any of you heard of it? You've heard of yep, it. Yeah. Yep. So you get to separate, you know, you know, say it's, I don't know, something random, like your chores that you need to do for the week, but you can prioritize what's urgent, what you need to do now and important and what's not urgent, but important. You can delegate for later, you know, schedule for later. What needs to be delegated like those jobs that you needed to give everyone <laughs> and what to completely get rid of what you should just just remove off your plate completely and that's such a great way to organize the clutter that you know is in our heads sometimes well a lot of the time 
No, you're great. And, that, and that's an awesome tool to use because you can really break things down and really see what's important, what's not important, what you should be acting on. Because a lot of us, you know, spend our time, you know, dealing with things that we think are important, but they're really not, you know, and that goes back to having good habits and bad habits. And especially with having this, you know, social media so easily accessible, it's so easy to get distracted. And next thing you know, you know, an hour later, you're still watching cat videos when you're supposed to be, you know, doing something or being more productive, you know, you just lost an hour of your life, not doing what you truly wanted to do and, and accomplish. Right. So I, I love that tool that you brought up. It's very useful and, and helpful in many ways. Yeah. You, you mentioned about uh, time management. I want to get your take on time management because I know sometimes people are just, um, they, they, they're so structured and they're so saying, here's this little box. And if it doesn't fit in my little box, I'm not going to, and, and the problem there is they don't live their life. So love to hear your take on time management. And then also to how does you manage doing that, managing that time management to manage your life also. Yeah, I love that question, especially because I'll give you a background and um, will tell you that my father was late to his own wedding <laughs> because I think he was at a soccer game. So my family's not really good at being on time. <laughs> um, and I, 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 I still struggle with it, but I have gotten so much better over the years, I will say, because I've worked on it. Um, the way that I like to time, you know, manage my time is usually in blocks of probably three hours for the most part, at least two hours. I, I don't think that it makes sense for somebody to schedule their, their life hour to hour. Like you said, it just takes away just all of the um, possibility for magic, extra magic to happen in your day. Um, and when we live so much on a schedule, it creates sometimes unnecessary anxiety and stress if things don't go the way you think they should. So I think it's important to have an idea, whether it's the night before or the morning of, you know, in a day to have an idea of what you would like to get done. You know, having a few things, important things, even not important things to get done and go about it that way, you know, chunk your day out three hours at a time, you know, save out an hour for lunch. And that way, for example, for me, I get, I know that for in those three hours, say, for example, if I'm creating content, then I get to, you know, brainstorm, I get to take photos and videos, and then I get to create my captions and things like that. So everything else, my phone's on airplane mode. That's another thing, distractions. Because you can say you're going to get stuff done, but distractions are all around you, especially if you're an entrepreneur and you work from home and, and your, your bedroom is your office, or you just transferred to work from home right now and your house has become your office. So, you know, putting your phone in airplane mode and removing all distractions and putting yourself in an environment that's going to help you stay focused, whether it's lighting a candle or putting on some focus inspired music, things like that. That was a really long answer to your question. No, it was good. I appreciate that. No, that's great. Now, yeah, see, time management is really big, especially when you want to build effective habits. Let me ask, how can we go ahead and do that? Can you share a little bit more about that? How we can start building better habits to become more successful? Yeah, so depending on what habit you know you would like to start could you give me maybe an example to you know work off of uh sure i want to be more consistent with um uh, using social media to market myself i know i have a hard time i'll start doing some recordings i'll be good for a few days and then i kind of fall off the track because i get dis distracted i want to be able to keep more consistency with being able to market myself and my business. Okay, 
So the first thing that I would ask is what does your plan look like currently? What are you doing currently? And what is the first tiny thing that you can do that will help you gain more consistency, whether that is setting yourself up to take a photo of yourself today, you know, whether it's finding inspiration in your day anywhere you can to include in your caption or, you know, buying a planner so that you can create a calendar. Um, baby steps, honestly, we would find what first baby step works for you. I think that most people operate and are able to gradually improve best when it comes to baby steps, also known as tiny habits. <laughs> um, because most people can't just jump off a cliff and be successful. That's not how most of us operate. And I think, you know, the media and the world has kind of shown us that if you don't go zero to a hundred, you're, you're not doing it right. And you're not working hard enough where my philosophy is let's take the most basic, simple thing that you can do right now today and guarantee the success of it. And then naturally a person wants to keep excelling by making those challenges just a little bit harder and harder to do. Gotcha. No, that's great. That's great. Now what happens if I start and then I fall off the wagon? Like what, what, what are ways for me to get myself back into doing that? Getting yeah, back so, on track. So relapse is definitely a part of the process when it comes to behavior change. Mm -hmm. And so then we would, you know, revisit this, this habit and say, okay, you know, what went wrong? What was it that, that why didn't it happen? Why didn't you post, you know, three times this week or what? whatever? Um, and, and what can we do to make this easier for you, more attainable? Because usually when, I don't want to say usually just because I, I don't actually know, but a lot of the times just from the women that I've worked with is because they haven't set themselves up for eff effectively carrying out the habit. Mm. So the setup is, is important as well, um, where you find a trigger. This, this whole concept is really interesting. If you know, for anybody listening to uh, tiny habits by BJ Fogg, Dr. BJ Fogg, okay. have you heard of him, Chris? You know who he is? Heard of him, yeah. Yeah. Wonderful, yeah. wonderful uh, um, teacher. He is a, he's a professor of behavior science, I believe out of Stanford. Yeah. And um, his philosophy is, do it tiny. And so it's important for somebody to find a trigger. For example, your, your example of creating more social media content, being mm -hmm. more consistent with marketing. So a tiny habit for that, you know, a trigger to, to, to connecting them would be a trigger is basically something that tells you that this new habit needs to be done. And so a trigger could be something that you already do every day. For example, you get in your car every day, I'm going to guess. Um, you brush your teeth, I hope, every day. <laughs> um, you know, things like that, that already are connected into your daily routine that you can, when you do, there's a, there's a, a, a fire in your brain that says, oh, it's time for me to do that thing. And so with that tiny habit, you'll take the habit and, and, and when, you're, when your trigger, when your trigger happens or goes off, the tiny habit is done. And immediately after, you want to find a way to also celebrate. The mm. celebration part is very important because yeah. it's what kind of solidifies in your brain, like this is a good thing. I want more of this. And a, a celebration or ways to feel shine. That's what Dr. BJ Fogg calls it, ways to feel shine. Can be as simple as intentionally putting a smile on your face because mm -hmm. you know that you just posted and, and you got a client from that marketing post on top of that. Yeah. You know, it could be a thumbs up to yourself, it could be a little happy dance, you know, simple things that create just joy connecting to your new habit. No, I'm, about, go ahead, Fred. 
I was going to say, what about punishment? Because if you do not do what you intend to do, how do you punish yourself where um, that you're going to get it done? Meaning like, say, for example, some, some people, uh, they don't like cold showers, as an example. As an athlete, you, you, do, you do the cold showers in order to uh, help you recover, as well as it can also increase your energy, many different aspects that help with your immune system, whatever, that type of stuff. But cold showers is painful for a lot of people. So is it something where if you do something and, and you didn't get it done, that you end up doing something like uh, doing a punishment so you don't dwell on it? Because I've seen too many people, whenever they not follow through with something, they dwell on it and it just becomes this dwelling thought over and over and over again. And they start having that little mind chatter and they start talking about, oh, you stupid ever you know, it's like, you're lazy, you're this or whatever. And, and that is basically causing that whole negative spiral going down rather than you have some kind of a, a punishment or whatever. And then you get saying, okay, it's done. Now I'm back on track. Have you ever heard of that type of approach? You know, I haven't done it personally, unless the person specifically told me like, hey, what happens if I don't do this? But most people will not say that. Um, I think that sometimes it's important just because we need that, you know, kick in the butt um, when we are the ones standing in our own way. So, I mean, definitely uh, being in the fitness industry, I'm also a fitness coach. Uh, I know that people have done, you know, um, if they haven't fulfilled their, their task or their habit, they have done a certain amount of burpees because everyone knows burpees suck, you know? <laughs> um, I think that, I think to a certain extent it can be healthy and to a certain extent it's, it's a little tricky because people can take this like punishment a little too far and then go into just a complete self-loathing. And again, the cycle just worsens and perpetuates. So it's really a fine line, you know, I think depending on the person, it's case sensitive for sure. I personally, I think that I could thrive depending on the situation. If I know that, you know, I have to wake up at 5.30 so I can run at 6 a.m. And if I don't do it, I only have to run a mile, but if I don't, I have to run five. You better believe I'm gonna wake up. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, different things like that it can be as mild or extreme as as the person really wants i guess i've heard i heard uh individuals would they would say because i didn't work out i couldn't eat that because they're using food as a, as a driver and um whatever it might be some like snacks or or sugary treats or something like that and they said nope i can't eat that now they have to eat celery sticks or something like that Yeah. Yeah, everybody has their own way of, of punishing themselves in some way. But yeah, you know, we always go back and forth between that pain and that, re, you know, that reward to motivate us to, you know, get things done. But, but a question for you, Donna, real quick. What is it that you're seeing among your clients that is, is reoccurring with habits? Is it because not being accountable? Is it not having a game plan? What is something that you see that's, that's showing up a lot with the people that you work with? I think that most women don't see how simple it could be, mm. how simple it is. Not easy. There's a difference mm. between simple and easy. But how simple it can be to declutter our lives and get rid of the stuff that really doesn't matter so that we can focus on what really does fill us up. Mm. And baby steps, again, you know, most people are expecting that their life is gonna change in the 12 weeks that they work with me. And I tell them right off the bat, you know, my program is meant to be temporary because this is life work. You know, you take these tools, you use them, you soak in all of the experience in the, in, the, in the sessions that we have together and you use it, you know, in your life, this, this game doesn't stop. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I love that you said that because people aren't aware 
that it is life work. I mean, I know I could probably speak for all, all of us in the room here that we've been on a journey for a very long time, learning and experiencing and reading. And we know there's no magic pill to our tr own personal transformation. And I love that you said that, that yes, this is just, you're giving the foundation. This is the beginning of the journey to get you on track to start going down the correct pathway for success. But it is a lifetime learning, a lifetime of working on yourself. And you know, a lot of people don't want to hear that. They want to be able to be, be able to fix it like that. Unfortunately, that's not how it works. You know, because you're always going to learn something new. You're always going to experience something different and new that's going to take you in another direction that you may not even thought of. But everything that you do and everything that you're taking action on to make your life better is only there to make improvements. So I know working with you and, and having, having people start learning how to break those bad habits and forming new ones and being more conscious, you know, is, is laying the foundation for amazing work. And we're happy to have you here today discussing this with us because that's something people need to understand that you got to start laying the, a strong foundation in your life. Because if not, then your house just crumbles. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's you know, an honor to just be able to be here and share. So I appreciate all of you for that. It is, it's, it's so important to, you know, build a strong foundation because everything you build upon that foundation is going to be your life. So if it's unstable and, you know, there's, there's cracks in it, then anything that's built on top of it is going to crumble right away. But if, oh. if we can, go ahead. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I was, it just came up when you talked about life and it, things, the thing popped in my head is about your, you have this life experience and, and I want to know, you know, if you could share with, with us and as well as our viewers about, the, if you can give some kind of a, uh, some wisdom and guidance, what would it be based off of your life experience that you can share with us? My biggest life lesson that's followed me around would be to be unapologetically who I am and say what I feel because I spent a lot of my life quiet mm. about everything. And I grew up thinking that it wasn't okay to say no. And as a girl, not knowing how to say no, that's not a good thing. And that is not a recipe to, you know, brew superwoman. Um, but I, I fought, I fought hard to find my voice and to know and understand that it's worthy, number one, of being heard. And that no matter how bad, you know, your situation is right now, wherever you are right now, listening to this, mm -hmm. is that it can get better. You know, we're not stuck where we are that quote says, we're not a tree. You know, if you don't like where you are, move. It's not gonna come to you. Nobody's gonna come save you. Nobody came and saved me. I had to save myself. Mm -hmm. And I would say that's, that's really my biggest, my biggest life lessons is use your voice, be yourself. Don't let other people mold who you are and know your power, know your worth. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. I, I really, really appreciate that. You know, it just seems like you have a lot of passion, you know, especially when you're articulating that. So what is your, so what is your, uh, what is your greatest passion? My greatest passion. Oh my gosh. I would say my greatest passion is continuously learning to understand myself and the ones around me in order to, you know, make the best of this experience that we have called life together. 
whether we believe it or not, I don't, I don't think humans want to believe this, but like we live here and we share this earth together. <laughs> so newsflash, we need to get along or else it's not going to be good for us. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I totally agree with you. This is a time map. I know what Carl Sagan says with that. He took a picture when Voyager was leaving the solar system he had to turn around and take a picture of Earth. And it was just a pale speck out in the sea of black. And he said, that's home. That's it. Nobody's coming to save us. There's yeah. no life raft. We have to figure it out. Yeah. No, and I, I agree with, you know, with, with what you're saying, Chris, and what Don's saying, you got, it, it's up to you to make that choice and make that change. And to get out there and strike your own path in life and figure out what works best for you and you know take ownership you know and just live life to to the fullest and everybody needs to get along so we are you know words of wisdom so we appreciate you sharing with us today donna it has been an amazing time but before we let you go we want to find out how people can get a hold of you if they want to experience coaching with you, build new habits and change their life. Yes, absolutely. So I am on Instagram at Donna Kiniston, Donna underscore Kiniston <laughs> on Facebook, Donna Kiniston. And uh, my email is generationacoaching at gmail.com. Can you, can you tell us a little bit more about your company, about Generation A Coaching? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We didn't even really talk about it. Um, so Generation A was created at the end of 2018. So, you know, a little less than two years ago. And the idea sprung from me being in the fitness industry, um, wanting more, wanting to be able to provide more for people not just on the physical part of, of things, because it's great, you know, if somebody wants to get healthy and work on their physical health, you know, it's a, it's a fraction, it's a part, it's a piece of the puzzle, right? Um, but the habits and the other, you know, 23 hours that you're not in the gym, uh, mm -hmm. I became very interested in that. And so that, that kind of pulled me to want to create my own business and coach people along with fitness with the mental, with the spiritual work and all of that. And so I work with my clients on a, uh, you know, phone call or video call basis. And we meet once a week for an hour for 12 weeks, typically sometimes longer, depending on, you know, the case. And in those phone calls, they are focused around the CBT, the, you know, questioning, the goal, you know, planning, um, personalized programming, obviously, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna work with you on your situation, no two situations are alike. And of course, accountability, I give homework as well, sometimes uh, on certain weeks. And um, during the week, my clients have access to me as well. So we're, we're in touch, we're in touch a lot. Um, and I, I love it that way. I think it's, it's so helpful to have a coach. I'm a coach and, you know, I've had coaches. So, yeah. No, that's, that's absolutely great. I appreciate you sharing more about your company. What you had to offer today has been absolutely amazing. I want everybody to reach out to her, especially if you feel that this is an area that you're struggling with, you know, her program is most likely what you're looking for, what you need right now. So make sure that you reach out to her. Friend her on Facebook, check her out on Instagram. She is the real deal. And I, you know, we're happy to have her here at the Extraordinary Being Movement. And we definitely support and endorse her and her company. So make sure you check her out. Uh, Fred Martinez, any final last words? I definitely, after having this conversation, I started thinking a little bit more. So I'm going to do more research on the Eisenhower matrix because I was, un, I was unaware of that. So it's, I look at it every day. You learn something new. Cheers. Great. Thank you. Friend. 
And Chris Mart uh, Chris Martinez. Chris, Chris Martinez. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> what happened? Chris, Chris Shiver and Frederick Martinez had a kid. How I don't know. <laughs> I no, I just want to say. We <laughs> got. I just want to say thank you so much because, uh, in, in my opinion, a lot of people today don't understand that concept that if there's only one planet and it's round. So any way you go around, you're going to find the same people. Like you can't get away from each other. So um, I'm, we have to work together. We have to get along. Thank you so much for being that message. I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It, it truly was an honor. You guys are all awesome. I, I had no idea what to expect jumping into this since we haven't met, but I'm pleasantly surprised and you guys are really great. So thank you for having me on. Oh, we are glad to have you on and we're definitely going to have you on again. So don't worry about that. It's been awesome experience having you here and I'm glad that we made the show comfortable for you so you had a great time yourself. So thank you. Thank you. I You're love welcome. That. Well, this is Len DeCarmite with the Extraordinary Being Movement, where we do a podcast that we mess up and do have flaws, but guess what? We're human. And that's what we're about, becoming extraordinary through our own failures and our own challenges, but rising again. And that's what makes us extraordinary beings. So join our movement, like us, subscribe to us, follow us, all those great ways. Visit us at theextraordinarybeingmovement.com where we have resources, we have upcoming podcasts, you can listen to our past podcasts, and so much more. So make sure you check us out. We look forward to seeing and hearing from everybody. And once again, be safe and become successful. We wish you the best. Bye now.